in a moment, uh, Kate Norman is going to read our reading for today. Um, if you wanted to get your Bibles open and ready, we're going to look at Mark chapter 10 and it's verses 17 to 31. So, and if you wouldn't mind switching over to, to Kate Norman, um, Kate, if you could read today's reading for us, that'd be great. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you should not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you shall have pleasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in its present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with other persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. I think we're going to hand over to James now. But just before we do, I realised I've forgotten to pray for James as he brings us God's word. So let me just let me just quickly do that as well, James, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the way that you've worked in James as well. Thank you for the way that you've helped him to see what you want him to say from your words today. And Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be ready to receive your words through him this evening. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, Rui. Uh, and uh, good evening, everyone. It's, uh, it's so great to be looking at our next encounter with Jesus this evening. Um, and if you have your Bible in front of you, then please do keep that open and we're going to unpack it together. Over these past weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Mark. And Mark was a man who wrote a biography of Jesus' life and all the things that uh, Jesus did and taught and said when he was here on earth. We've been looking at a few specific people that Jesus encountered. Um, and these people were dramatically changed by their encounters with Jesus. And this book, time and time again, reminds us that when we look at Jesus, we, when we read about him and what he has done, that it prompts a response. Mark is writing this book 
to lead the reader to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, not just as saviour, but also as Lord. And our passage this evening is no different. This evening, we read of a man who encounters the Lord Jesus and is faced with an extraordinary challenge. Tonight, our passage comes at a really interesting point in the gospel. Just to give a little bit of context about what's been happening, Jesus has just been teaching about receiving the kingdom of God. And he encounters some small children in the passage just previous. And while his disciples tell these children to go away, Jesus welcomes them in. And he explains to the crowd, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And this may seem really random now, but it's going to be important later on. So do hold on to that. Two verses later is where our passage starts for this evening. And in verse 17, we get thrown right into the action as a man runs up to Jesus. We're not told much about this man, but for tonight, to save him getting confused with another man, we're going to call him Mr. Nice Guy. This man comes to Jesus with a question, maybe a question that you might might have asked in your own mind at some point. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So we can see he's got a desire to follow Jesus. And this is really exciting. And if we're reading through Mark, we, we would have been reading the last two chapters. We would have been wanting someone like this to come along. We've been reading through two chapters of the Pharisees and the disciples just missing the mark, just not getting it. We get our hopes up. Well, maybe, maybe Mr. Nice Guy has got what it takes. Maybe he understands. Maybe he is good enough. Well, that's Jesus' point straight back at Mr. Nice Guy. He says no one is good except God alone. And he goes on to list the commandments. But the man comes straight back saying he's kept those commandments. He's been good. He's been keeping the commandments. Like surely if anyone can do it, it's this guy. He's been on this since he was a boy. I'm sure many of you have all had the experience of maybe filling out a survey or maybe an exam. And the first page is beautiful. Simple, multiple choice questions, one word answers. You're you're loving life. You're thinking you're absolutely smashing this. Got it nailed. It's in the bag. You turn over the page and there's massive boxes that need to be filled out in detail with really tricky questions. Well, this is similar to Mr. Nice Guy. He has absolutely smashed it out of the park, but only half of the paper. He's kept these six commands that Jesus lists out. But he wants to know what else he needs in his spiritual armory that will just get him into heaven. What's the next thing I need to add to my spiritual CV so that I'll be good enough to inherit eternal life? Jesus' message blows Mr. Nice Guy out of the water. Let's just take a quick aside to mention that Jesus knows this man's heart. Jesus is not just blindly stabbing in the dark, hoping to hit the jackpot of this man's problem. Jesus knows. And in his grace and in his mercy, he teases out 
this man's issue so he can see it for himself. This is what Jesus says, and it's, it is earth-shattering for Mr. Nice Guy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Wow. <laughs> There's so much going on here in these two verses. Let's look at it together. Jesus' opening words cut this man to the heart. He says, one thing you lack. That's like telling Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos that they lack something. Like, they're some of the richest people in the world's eyes, they lack nothing. They've, they've got everything. Jesus commands the man to sell everything he has. And do you see in verse 21 how Jesus compares the man's wealth to treasure in heaven? Jesus is drawing out this comparison with earthly riches and treasure in heaven. And he says, if Mr. Nice Guy gives away his earthly riches, he receives a greater treasure. This points us back to Mark chapter 8, and from verse 34, it says these words. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And this command was too much for Mr. Nice Guy, as he realised that following Jesus wasn't just keeping some of the commandments, but it meant denying himself. Jesus is teaching, if you can't deny yourself, then you can't be my disciple. I wonder if this challenges us definitely challenged me reading it. Do commands like this make us uncomfortable? Denying yourself, really? Living fully for Jesus? Surely that's just for those super holy people. But surely Jesus is happy with me just following him a bit here and there. But for him to be Lord over my whole life? Really? No way. Mr. Nasca was hit with the same challenge, wasn't he? He was able to cope with obeying do not murder and do not steal. But when it came to have having no other gods and not making an idol, well, he's not fully able to surrender his life to Jesus. He counted the cost and it cost too much. Passage goes on and Jesus turns to teach his disciples and he says, verse 23, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And a second time, Jesus says, children, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. As we read through the Bible, picking up on things that are said multiple times is a really easy tool that we can wield in trying to understand the text. Is this just for rich people? Well. Yes and no. 
we see that here in this text, it's directly addressed to the disciples who've just witnessed what has happened. But Jesus uses it to teach more broadly about how abundance of worldliness is incompatible with the kingdom of God. In verse 24, Jesus addresses his listeners as children. And this must have reminded the disciples of the events that maybe happened earlier that day. As he commands his followers to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. What a stark contrast Jesus brings here between the children in verse 15 and Mr. Nice Guy in verse 22. We can see the children accepting Jesus and Jesus using them as an example. Whereas the man in our story can't deny himself. He counts the cost and it costs too much. He compared what Jesus offered and what he had in the moment. And he couldn't see that the treasure in heaven outweighed his current riches. That's what adults do. Adults, they, they count the cost, they weigh, they measure situations. It's what happens as we grow up. But the call here is not to count the cost, like a child would. This doesn't mean blindly leaping into darkness or not being confident in what Jesus has done. But it looks like having a faith that is convinced that through what Jesus has done, we inherit more riches in him compared to without him. It's a faith that recognises that no amount of earthly riches could compare to Jesus and all he has done. We come to the last section of our passage and Peter has the same concern as Mr. Nice Guy. Who then can be saved? But this time they have left everything. Then they're not rich. They have denied themselves. They've taken up their cross and followed Jesus. Jesus reassures his disciples that there is a greater reward for following him than they could make in this life. He promises to provide for their needs and he wants the disciples to trust that. I wonder, is it easier to trust God when you have everything or when you have nothing? Jesus then makes the simplest yet most life transforming statement at the end of our passage. One that we may have heard a hundred times. He says, but many who are first will be last. And the last first. This is the kingdom that Jesus brings. He's not the Messiah that anyone was expecting. Not one who would come and overthrow the Roman Empire. But one who would come and humbly submit and die on a cross. Jesus puts himself very last. So that now risen in glory, he's the very first. This is the life that we are called to, to be last in this world. And Mr. Nice Guy, he just couldn't see it. To give up the most valuable thing to him was too costly to inherit the greatest treasure for eternity. This is what we are called to also, to be followers of the one who denied himself, who put himself last, who paid the price 
so that we didn't have to, but that we would follow in his footsteps. King Jesus. This evening, it may be that there are things in our way. It may be our money. Maybe. It may be other things. That if Jesus says go, give it up, give it away, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Maybe we'd walk away like Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe we'd walk away sad because we couldn't give it up for Jesus. What stumbling block can you see in your own life that is more precious than Jesus? Maybe a habit, a, a desire, an attitude, an addiction, maybe some something you own. What if Jesus told you to give it up, deny yourself and come follow him? Would it cost too much? Would it be too painful to give it away? Or maybe if that is us this evening, we need to go again to the cross and look at what it cost Jesus. Look at how painful the cross was for him. We need to be reminded of that this evening, of Jesus's sacrifice, but also what he accomplished through that, the eternal inheritance that he won for those who trust in him. This isn't just for the extra holy. This is the pattern of life for anyone following Jesus. This childlike receiving of faith, that arms open, heart abandoned, not counting the costs attitudes. Because we've looked at the face of Jesus and everything else pales into insignificance in comparison to our saviour. Is that your heart this evening? Is that your heart? Maybe it is. Maybe this lockdown has been a time of real spiritual growth and you are walking with Jesus. Let this passage encourage you. Press on for those who are following in Jesus. You will have treasure in heaven. Press on for that day. Maybe these months have been a real struggle. And you haven't felt that living for Jesus is the best thing in the world. Maybe that stumbling block is actually what you desire most. Or let this passage challenge you. Come back to Jesus. Look afresh at him and what he has done. Reflect on that great promise. All things are possible with God. Yes, he calls us to be last in this world, but he also promises that he will provide. Pray that God would open your eyes to see the beauty and the wonder of the treasure in heaven. And that may spur you on as you go on in this week. Pray that you would trust in his promises and that would keep you running the race until the day you see him face to face. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for being able to read it, to unpack it, to understand it. Thank you for this challenge this evening of living lives fully in surrender to you, of not counting the cost, but giving up everything we have in this world 
to inherit the greatest treasure, eternal life with you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, if there are things in our lives where we're counting the cost and it's too much, it costs too much, and we're turning to walk away like this man did this evening. Oh God, please show us our hearts, our hearts that chase after the worldly things. Please set our hearts on you. May we look upon your face and be in awe and wonder at what you have done. Please help us to leave everything behind, to be last in this world, to surrender all so that we can follow Lord Jesus wholeheartedly. May that be our heart cry, our desire for this week, this month, this year, the rest of our lives, living lives in surrender to you. Our Jesus, make this real to us, I pray. In his name. Amen.